Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to do the July grab bag? <laughs> Does this have anything to do with your upcoming vacation? Uh, yeah. <laughs> And welcome to Pandas Talking Games. I'm your hardworking host, Phil. And I am your vacationing host, Senda. So for Smooth. tonight's topic, hey, you led me right into it. I am going to be away on vacation, but we still wanted to make sure that you had your panda fix. So we're doing a couple of grab bag episodes because they're a bit easier to record and a bit easier to edit. So without any further intro, we're going to jump into some questions. First up, Matt Petrozelli on Twitter asks, spend five minutes discussing cyberpunk magical girls across genre game. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Five mm-hmm. minutes? Five? Only five? Or like, we're going to have to start a timer or something. I mean, seriously. Talk fast. Talk fast. Good luck with that. Talk fast. Okay, so... Um, We're going to try and do this the compressed version. Some essential traits of both of these genres, starting with magical girl tropes, transformation sequences, small non-human sidekicks, and love and justice, fighting things for friendship and love and justice. I love it. All right. I'll match your your magical girl tropes with my cyberpunk tropes, uh, street level Mm -hmm. technology. So, Mm -hmm. you know, things that, uh, implants inside people who, you know, are basically street, you know, level, you don't have to have a lot of money to be able to get like cool tech, uh, cyberspace. I mean, hell it can't be cyber. It can't be cyberpunk without a little cyberspace, uh, and oppressing corporations. So the mega corpse, putting their boot down on the necks of, you know, everybody in the, in the city. Um, yes. So those are very cyberpunk tropes. So want to mash them up? Uh, yeah, let's smoosh them together. So smoosh. take, uh, <laughs> take a magical girl trope and smoosh it with uh, one of the ones that we have. And let's see what we can come up with. All right. Well, I think we actually lined these up pretty well. So I'm going to say transformation sequences and street level technology. So like we could mush together, right? Mm -hmm. Bear with me. We can mush together so that instead of having a like straight up magical transformation, she would have more of like a Transformers kind of transformation of mechanical cyberpunk parts. Like So so I'm digging it now. Let me let me riff off that. Yeah. So if we go kind of like if we go kind of like headspace now, not that brain implant, but if we go with the idea that the girls all got their implants together, yeah, then each of them kind of transforms based on a theme. Like, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so definitely, I see like all the same attitudes of the girls. Right, they're just like a little different. Like in this case, they're not cousins. <laughs> right like they're totally not cousins. i love that you haven't seen sailor moon and you still are totally on top of that 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 whole meme I, now i got that meme nailed down right yes. like yep 
cousins. Because like, in our the cousins cause in, right, because in our in our uh, in our <laughs> cyberpunk thing, we don't have to play that down, right? So they're yeah. they're not cousins. They're not cousins. Um, Good. Yeah. But then I think, like you know, along the same lines, that you know, all of the uh, all of the girls' implants um, are kind of themed, like in terms of like the weapons and stuff that they um, that they create. Yeah, but absolutely. It's all still pretty street level, right? So it's like you know, it's um, it's claws and it's um, monomolecular filaments and and shit like that. Well, wouldn't you have something? You you could still have something that like fired electricity or something like that, right? Uh, yes, you could have something that fires like electricity because, um, you could use something like the incorporation, the Raiden implant, it was called. Um, yeah. How very about a f- effective. like flamethrower thing? Sure. Flamethrower built into a cyber arm. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Yeah. See, we, we got things covered. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, and, and with the use of hologram, holographic technology, when they transform, like it's oh, yeah. a fucking light show. Oh, right? hell like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Especially if they're all together, because then all their stuff like networks together, uh-huh. and it puts on like a bigger, like more a complicated group transformation. Yeah, 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 exactly. Fantastic. With music, mu- I love it. with music and everything. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's do. Let's do the next. Let's do the next pairing. <laughs> all right. So if we say small non-human sidekicks, that's generally in in standard trope. That's. Something small and cute and sometimes fuzzy and frequently mistaken for a toy, a stuffed animal, or a pet. And she's a super geek. I played Corporal Kittens, who was an AI who lived in the body of an adorable kitten. <laughs> so that's not far from where Just I was saying. going, right? So, so yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking a cyberspace AI, so a military grade AI, but the girls keep it in a modified toy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So Something the toy adorable. looks right, the yeah. toy looks like a like little panda. Oh. And like it like keeps it like falls off chairs and it rolls around and stuff. I love this game so much. <laughs> because that's what pandas do, right? Yes, like they just, they you know, fall off of things. Right. Like it's adorably. this military grade AI that like lives in a satellite and it's fought like three cyber wars, but the girls insist that the only place they can download it to carry it around is in this like adorable panda toy adorable stuffed panda that's super floppy yes yeah and they give it some like ridiculous name like it has like this badass like code name right you know like like it was known as like uh shatter nova or something like the destroyer of like the ecuador net or something but like call it like mr pandakins (laughs) yeah exactly right like it's it's completely It's completely ridiculous, and yet some part of it like loves the fact that the girls like dote on it, but it also at the same time is like the battlefield commander. Yes, right. <laughs> but they like pick it up and snuggle it because they're like, "Aw, thank right. you so much for getting us the codes to get into this building." Hugs and snuggles, Mister. Right, Panikin's they're like hugs the and snugglings, and it's like telling the story about how like. You know, how in like El Salvador, like, you know, it once watched like two of its fellow AIs burn like, you know, yes. like magnesium. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, your stories are so cute, Mr. Pandakins. <laughs> I love yeah. this. I love this. Yeah, setup. Shatter Nova. Shatter Nova the AI. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> okay, cool. Awesome. Um, let's do the last one. Last pairing. Yeah. This one is actually really easy, right? Because this is fighting for love and justice. Versus corporations. Yeah, that one's a no-brainer. Evil corporations, right? like, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Like the girls are doing battle, like to turn the hearts and minds of corporations. Like I think, so here's what I think. If we're going to really cyberpunk this shit up. Okay. These girls are corporate extraction team. So their uh-huh. job is to remove high level scientists and executives from their current corporation to mm-hmm. another. So mm-hmm. basically they get hired to basically like go in and like basically show the the target like the corporation doesn't love you. Like they've planted a cerebral bomb in the back of your head in case you try to defect, but we're going to take it out with the help of Mr. Pandakins, right? Like <laughs> And he gets like the long giant needle like out of his paw, like shink. We're just gonna plug him right into the back of your skull and disarm that bomb before yeah. it blows up this entire floor. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. He's done so, yeah, it many so, times before. So I think that's I think that's like how they do their love and justice, right? Like they they extract people, but they make you feel really good about it. Like you're the most special thing when you're being extracted. <laughs> oh, <laughs> kind of terrible i mean it plays it starts playing against trope to make them really working for another evil or corporation which could still be interesting because if you did do that then you just name the corporation love and justice name it tuxedo inc <laughs> oh, God. i think it's totally cool right like i think yeah tuxedo inc is uh yeah. he, it, he, it's it's a totally cool corporation it's Ugh. their leader's a little mysterious but don't worry it's it's totally legit Ugh. it's fine of course at that point you realize that if that's the case then the leader of the magical girls is clearly in love with the leader of the corporation but Uh, only when they're both transformed because they don't know that each other is that person yeah yeah they're not transformed yet we'll get to that in like season two there we go okay all right i think we got there you go i think think we nailed it I think we nailed it. I think that we could probably just uh, blend the rules for Love and Justice and Rocker Boys and Vending Machines together. Yeah, pretty like, much exactly. I think I think all you need is... All right, so here's what I would do. Ready? What? If I'm going to do this with Rocker Boys, Vending Machines, and Love and Justice. Okay. All right? So I think that you don't have to worry about the stats because the stats will line up together, right? So Love, love and Neon... Yes. And Justice and Chrome. So that's yes. fine. That lines up perfectly. Yeah. Okay. So then you have the magical girl's power, but you merge that with the cybernetic rule that I have. Yep. In, okay. So you have a mm-hmm. magical power, but your magical power is cybernetic based. So define your cybernetics. Yep. And then you need to merge um, your <laughs> event table with my event table. Uh-huh. And your some of your character creation with my character creation. Yeah, yeah. Like because some of the choices. Oh, I know. Because here it is. Because the choices are there's like a theme, and so the themes are like leather, chrome, neon, denim, right? Uh Like yes, like that. Right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. You know what? You know what? Here's what I think. No, we're not writing this game. I'm not making. I'm not saying we're gonna write it. I'm not saying we're (laughs) not gonna write it. But maybe ne- next April Fools, if somebody can remind me, maybe ne- next April Fools, we'll we'll write the mashup. <laughs> I'm sure we could get Meg to uh, to some draw art. something. We could just write it in sequence so that people could actually play it. A little Sailor Moon outfit with like a chrome cyber arm sticking uh, up hell's in the air. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it would work great. That'd be so awesome. That's so badass. All right, Matt, that was a... F- Matt, that may be one of the best 
uh, grab bag <laughs> questions we've ever gotten. Uh, not uh, that everyone else's aren't good because we like doing those too, but this one was this one was uh, the peanut butter and chocolate of questions. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, so on to the next question. So Mumfrey on Twitter asked, how do you handle character death in a convention game versus a one-shot versus a campaign game? Instant replacement, drop in at the next story opportunity, or something else. We made slightly clearer definitions here, right? So we're talking about convention one-shots, home one-shots, and then campaigns. So at a convention one-shot, your whole purpose is to deliver an experience, right? Like, you have those people, they're sitting down at your table for three and a half hours, four hours, whatever, two hours, whatever it is, but they probably paid to be there, and... You, as running the game, have kind of agreed to run something that people are going to get some play out of, right? So if you have someone die in your game before you get to the good stuff, then our best recommendation is to replace them as quickly as possible, right? And just keep people playing. So whether that means, you know, oh, here's the PC that nobody picked up off the table, or um, here I'm just going to give you this NPC to play, like whatever that is, like keep them in the game, keep going, right? There's a part of this, an element of this, if you expect character death to be an issue at your table in a convention one shot, that's the kind of thing that you should set table expectations for because that's not necessarily something that everybody will assume. And it's one thing if they die dramatically at the climactic moment in the battle with the big bad 15 minutes before the game is over. But it's totally different if they die half an hour in because they stubbed their toe going down the stairs in the dark. Right? So, like, just things to keep in mind. It is your responsibility to have, like, an experience. And you don't necessarily know these people and they paid and all that stuff, right? Now, if we're talking about a home one-shot, there's not as much pressure because your timing is more flexible. You know these people. Like, you're all here to have fun. You hang out together anyway. That person may be more content to just hang out and watch for a little while. At a home game, then I'd usually say drop them in at the next logical story opportunity, Right? And if that comes up really quick, awesome. And if it's a little while, they're probably cool. Or you can send them out to get the pizza or, you know, whatever it is. You have a little bit more flexibility, right? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's really, I think that's really great advice. That idea about the convention and it being entertainment, I think is really, I think it's really important that um, there's nothing, I can't think of a worse convention experience than dying in the first hour and then being like, uh, that's all I got, buddy. right like sorry man you're out like that was your you know two dollars or whatever for this ticket and you got to play for 45 minutes i mean hell even if you have to have the gods intervene like do something to keep the something keep the keep that body in the keep that body at the table so frankly and this is where it gets interesting right like my convention games I have never had anybody die at a convention game. And that's partially maybe because I literally run systems in which it is very difficult to die. I had a right? Savage Worlds I had a Savage Worlds game where con- convention game where in the first open in the in media res combat oh, no. I rolled a thirty five damage Holy against one of the characters. Nikes. And I, I couldn't figure out I couldn't figure out how to get them out of it, but they had the action cards, like you know, the cards that give you like those rule bendy things. Yeah, yeah. And one of and one of them, because players are allowed to trade cards among themselves, one of them had the card that um, whatever damage you just took was like a glancing blow. 
Oh yeah. And like, and you're just shaking. So nice. like I dropped this like 35 point hit on this character. They like, they all look at their cards and all of a sudden they come back and they hold up this card. And I'm like, yes, that nice. will do. Tell me how <laughs> it looks like you just like, tell me how it looks like you were almost killed, but you know, managed to come back. Nice. Yeah. Oof. Close I, one, huh? <laughs> I don't exactly know what I would have done. I think I had some other pregens. Like I could have, it was that battle. They could have like found somebody in that battle and whatever. But right, you could have passed somebody else. Who I was sweating character. bullets after that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's so. the thing about Savage Worlds being super swingy. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So very good. Um, on to campaigns. As we are all so fond of singing, uh, mm-hmm. time is on your on side. Yes, it is. Okay. So you have time on your side. So when a character dies, take a minute. Don't rush to create a new character. First of all, allow the game to allow the game and the and the characters and players to mourn the loss of the character. Yeah. Um give it give it a few moments. Like have that downbeat and and allow that like allow that scene to kind of breathe out. Then um then let the the player make up their new PC and give them a chance. Like now that they've played for a little while, there's probably some things that they would like to do or try. And so they're going to want to, you know, make up a, a, a new PC. And when they arrive, like spotlight their arrival into the game. Like, don't just be like, you walk around the corner and there's a dude and he joins your party, right? Like, not like Yay. the, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not like the gamers, like you right. look trustworthy, yeah. right? And he steps back like- into the same marching order. Yep. <laughs> um, but like actually have some spotlight time on the new character work, on, like have a session working the character in with the rest of the group, like bonding and kind of meeting everyone, that kind of thing. So like I had this thing where I had a player in my Iron Heroes campaign, three year long fantasy campaign, a year into the campaign, this supplement came out for this new magic system. And he's like, oh, my God, I want to play a wizard. And I know we weren't playing wizards in this game, but this like magic system is like the fucking bomb and I want to play them. And I'm like, all right, like, let's try it. Like, if it doesn't work, you have to go back to your old character. But if it works, like, you can go on playing this character. So we did like a two, two, three, three session arc for finding this character. Yeah. Like the party like went forth and like found this guy and like rescued him from the demons. And like, after they got him, like I gave him some time to like, kind of get to know him. And like, I did this like whole thing and truthfully it worked really well. It worked that character into the group in a really good way. And in fact, actually because I was writing the arc, like I was able to write the character's backstory, like right into the history of the game yeah. So like I like even when the character arrived, like the character had like like meaning. Like, you know, even though they hadn't been played before, like yeah. they they had like a, a space like in the history of the world and it was like, Oh, this is who Severus is. Like yeah. and you know, this is why Severus is important. Um and then after that, like I just gave some I had a couple cool action beats where the characters were all able to fight together and Severus was able to basically show them like, you know, show like show the rest of the party, like how he could make the party cooler. Um, Hint growth spell. And then, (laughs) um, and then after that, I like just put some, some really quiet beats, like no action and let them all chit chat. 
and kind of bond and get to know each other. So the idea for a campaign is take your time, like take your time, work a character in, don't just jam them in. It's, it's okay. Like uh, mourn their passing, create a new character and make their arrival exciting. And that will make for the best integration for, uh, for replacing a character. Yeah. Coolness. Sounds good. All right. Should we do one more? Yeah. Tell me, pronounce it for me because I never pronounce it right. <laughs> Roliste Ro- podcast. Roliste. Roliste. Yes. Uh-huh. Cause, did we get it, I did did we get it right I, this time? I hope so because <laughs> I took French too and it sounds really good, right? The Roliste <laughs> podcast asks how players can contribute set slash support their game master, both literally and on a motivational level. So uh, what this taps into is I th- some common feelings that GMs feel when they've been running, especially if they've been running for a while. Yeah. And not that these are true, but they're the kind of like the negative things that kind of creep into a GM's brain. Yep. Yeah. So, so some, sometimes they feel like they're doing all the work. Right, right. Like they're or, they're prepping games. They're yeah. Like what are the players doing? The right. Game, the players don't do anything between sessions necessarily, but like the GM has to think about it and plan a session, like figure everything out. And send out. emails, like, right? Make send sure that emails, everybody's like, are you still all showing show up. up? Right. Yeah. Are we all going to be there? You guys remember? Do you guys remember what happened last time? Da, 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 what da, are we da, doing da, for da. dinner? Right. Uh-huh. Like all of that stuff. All okay. of that. Yep. And they have to be in charge of everything, which includes all of that stuff, making sure that people are going to show up. Is there food? The GM, like, frequently ends up hosting, like, basically organizing all of this stuff. And they end up being responsible for a a lion's share of the um, social table culture stuff, too, right? Like, if there's a problem at the table, everybody's going to look at the GM to fix it first. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on, right? The GM winds up as like the de facto head of the game, right? It's not that they necessarily yeah. have to have all those roles, but they somehow wind up with them. Right. Okay. Well, they're, they're frequently the person who organized the game to begin with, and so they had to do everything. And then exactly. they went and found some players, right? Next one is that GMs uh, often feel like they're not doing a good job, right? Like you think that... The thing you're running is bad. The session you ran is flat. You're a terrible GM. Like, why are you even doing this? Like, you know, all of those things. Like, those all those insecurities always creep in on us. And the other one is that the GMs feel like they have to provide all the materials, right? So they're running the game. So it must mean that they have to bring everything needed uh, for the game so that the players have it, you know, to play. So going on those negative feelings... Let's address each one of them and talk about how we could support some of those. Yeah. So the first one is that they they feel like they're doing all of the work. So as players, ways that you can offset that a little bit. Learn the rules. Just learn the rules to the game. Um, because then you're taking the pressure off of the GM to be the source of the only singular source of truth for rules at your table. And the person that everyone turns to when they're like, oh, well, how does grappling work? If you're like, hey, I'm going to grapple this dude, so I'm just going to roll this and add my number like you do, right? Awesome. Go, right? So the better you know the rules, the smoother you can make that table play experience, and you don't have to put it all on the GM. It's even better if you can just tell the GM, like, not only like, hey, I'm going to grapple, but when the GM's like, oh, that thing's going to grapple you, and you're like, okay, cool. So go ahead. You make this roll. I'm going to make this roll. And whoever wins, that's like... You know, right. 
tremendously yeah. helpful. It's tremendously helpful. And it's how I ran fourth edition without ever having read the book, right? <laughs> Somebody at the table has to know the rules. The more people who know the rules, the faster and smoother the game tends to run. So it helps us out as GMs when you do that. You can offer to run a one-shot if your GM is down or off or sick. So, um, you know, if they're out of town or vacation or something, you can step into that slot. But if they're also just having like a really shit day and they don't have the energy to be running something, be like, no problem. We're all still getting together. Everything's still planned. I've got this one shot that I could just run. You know, be willing to step into that spot and support. Right? And then the last one. magical cyberpunk girl game. uh, Right. It's great. (laughs) The last one on our list is take the plot hook. So, like, as players, when the GM dangles the plot hook in front of you with the giant juicy plot worm on it don't run away it's not poisoned just take the damn plot hook don't make us work for it take the hook it it might be poisoned but take it anyway (laughs) if we wanted to kill you you'd already be dead don't tell them that (laughs) okay when it comes to the feeling of having to be in charge of everything you know what? Help the GM out on this, right? So offer to host the game at your place or offer to bring snacks. So GM Gerrymander is uh, one of our listeners, one of our patrons, plays in my DCC game, which I host at my place. But Jerry is an awesome dude. He never shows up without treats. Um, yeah, he Jerry, says you're it's an old to play in my games always. Yeah, he says it's an old tradition that if um, that if the GM is, you know, taking the time and energy to run the game, the least he could do is show up with something for everybody to snack on. And it's always appreciated. Like, it's a really nice touch that, you know, Jerry comes in the door and he's always got something delicious. And, you know, we sit down and we get to game. So that's a great help, right? That's a thing the GM doesn't have to worry about. The another one is help police the table. So... Don't make the GM be the only person who's trying to keep the table under control or, you know, keep people focused or whatever. Like, do your part. Your fellow player sitting next to you, if, like, one of them's zoning out, man, like, you know, pull them into a scene. Like, get them involved. Like, nudge them. Tell them, like, you know, to pay attention or something. If somebody's a little too chatty, help quiet the table down. As we know, GMs have like eight different things they got to do at once. So if you can take one or two of them <laughs> off the table, yep, it helps great. greatly. Yeah, we think it's eight anyway. Anyway, the next one on our list is that the GMs, your GM may not feel like they're doing a good job. And the best thing to help for this is positive feedback. Like, you know, tell me that you liked what I ran. Tell me that you had fun. Tell me during the game, that was awesome. Tell me after the game, that was a great game. If there's something specific that you really liked, I want to hear that specific thing that was so cool to you. And and we're not saying don't, we're not saying lie, and we're not saying don't give negative feedback. Because if there were problems, also be able to talk to your GM about that as well. But realize that, and, and this happens a lot of times with players, when a game is going well, sometimes players don't say anything and they're just yeah, like, oh, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but a GM who is already feeling like I'm not doing a good job of running 
if they don't hear that they're doing a good job running, they just default to the fact that they think they're doing a bad job running. So yes. that little bit of positive uh, info- reinforcement helps a lot, right? It helps fight that that demon. Yep, it okay. does. Lastly, help provide some of the materials, right? Like pick up some of the supplements or PDFs. Like don't make the GM always responsible for buying every supplement for the game. Like you can buy something or you, you can buy something and bring it to the game. You can um, you can get a gift you can get a gift certificate to drive through RPG. Like in the past, my players, like years ago, would get me a gift certificate on GM's Day. Like for, Aww. you know, just for all the running and organizing and stuff I did for the game, they would get me like, you know, twenty, twenty five dollar gift certificate. Like that was awesome. Right? That's super nice, um, yeah. It was super nice, and it made me feel really good. Like, oh, okay, guys. And then I would turn around and buy a supplement we, you know, could use for the game, but right. or the next game we were going to run. But it, like, it's it felt super cool. Help with other stuff. Like, if you can make cheat sheets to make the sheet uh, to make things go uh, better. If you can print character sheets or playbooks for the GM. Like, hey, the GM's going to come over and run this game, but like, you know, they don't have any playbooks. Hey, no problem. I can print those like at work, and I'll bring them over for the game. I got gotcha. you. Like, I got yep. you covered. Don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, and lastly, of course, if you could laminate something for your right. GM, <laughs> you should laminate something. Nothing <laughs> says love to a GM like a laminated handout. That right. says, that's, you know what, because you know what it means? You know what a laminated handout means to what a does GM? It mean? What does it mean? It means, I believe this game's going to be around for a while. Like, I need to laminate this thing because I need this piece of paper to last for a while. Like, if people show up to your game and none of their handouts are laminated, it's like they think it's a fly-by-night operation. Like, eh, maybe we're going to play this thing tomorrow, maybe we won't. But when you show up with some shit laminated, lamination is a commitment. <laughs> it, is a, it is a commitment. It is, it, it is a way of, it is making a sacred bond between you and the game. And, and when we talk about a sacred bond between you and the game, <laughs> it must be time to c- conclude our show. But before we go, how about we talk about an any nominated podcast on the Misdirected Mark Network? That's right. The any nominated Hobbs and Friends of the OSR on the Misdirected Mark Network, which you can vote for right now. On this podcast, Hobbs gets together with various friends from the OSR where they talk about the games they play, a little bit about themselves, some OSR-related topic, and sometimes the state of the OSR, where Hobbs puts down his Mr. Rogers persona and gets all opinionated. Get old school with Hobbs and friends of the OSR. I hear I hear on the internal Slack channel, if he wins, we all have to refer to him as as the any award-winning yeah. Hobbs. Hobbs. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you'll yeah. have to type that into Slack. Like the Every any award winning Hobbs said dot dot dot. Well, we'll just make the Slack bot do it. We'll just yes. every time you type Hobbs, it'll just put the any award winning Hobbs. We'll just have I it, love it automate that. Yeah. That's awesome. So you guys should, should probably totally vote for that so that so that we have to do that. <laughs> awesome. Say Senda, where can people reach us on the internets? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community. And you can send us an email if you prefer, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And of course, all that stuff's in the show notes. 
And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Please, please, please send us your topics. We love to uh, get topics from you. Um, We are honestly too lazy to come up with any of our own shit. (laughs) So um, we love to uh, get topics and, and talk about them. Truthfully... I mean, truthfully, we are lazy, but truthfully, we also love actually getting the topics that you give us. We love talking about the things that you want us to talk about. All of the grab bag uh, episode questions tonight were from listeners, as well as all of our other shows where we do one shots versus campaigns and talk about two points of view, etc. So please, please, please use our social media and get them to us. Besides giving us topics, what is the other thing you should do with our social media information? Well, you can send us your table selfies. So the next time that you are sitting down to run a game at that table with those awesome peeps, take a selfie of you and those peeps and hashtag it table selfie. And we especially want to know if you are playing Magical Girls or Cyberpunk or some amalgamation of the two. Indeed. And if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support uh, any number of our Patreons, one of which is at patreon.com slash MMP. We do all sorts of interesting things like you get the bonus outtakes from this show, the after show from Misdirected Mark, the possible cyberpunk magical girls mashup that we (laughs) hypothesized in this episode. Um, And we also like to shout out to some of our patrons every episode. So... Shouting out tonight to um, the Queen's Royal Rocketeer, P.K. Sullivan. Indeed, sir. Blaze a bear. <laughs> and, Thank you, um, And Mike Amer. Like, it's totally French sounding tonight, right? The, the Royal I, I Rocketeer, so. Blaise yep. a bear, Amer. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, okay. yeah. I hope we got everybody right. Yeah. Say, Senda, what else can you do if you are already supporting the Patreon or unable to support the Patreon, which is totally fine? What can you do that makes a panda fall out of their chair with glee? Not blush, just fall out of their chair. Uh, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or on the podcatcher of your choice. Apple just happens to be where we check. So if you leave it somewhere else, please let us know. Every rating or review that we get actually really does help new people find the show, which we really, really love because then more people get to hear about ditch lilies and pandas. Right. Which is really just mm-hmm. our goal in life. So thank you to everybody who has already left a review. And if you haven't, we would very much appreciate it if you did to make me feel a giddy and warm inside. Anyway, and I will fall out of a chair. <laughs> Probably when I, won't, I start. I won't. I'll hurt. I'll texting get hurt you, again. texting you over and over. Yeah, you yeah. are not allowed to have any more gravity induced hiatuses. Nope. 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 So, Phil, show me how you're going to show your next GM some support. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. It's literally like the tale of two cities right now. What? How so? Well, because you're in the hottest room in your house recording, right? So it's uh-huh. like... Right, it's excruciatingly hot in that room. Probably, well, I mean, it's probably about 85 and like the rest of my house is getting cooler because it has fans and stuff going, but I can't have a fan in here because I'm recording. (laughs)
No, no, I know this. I know this. Uh, I know. I'm I'm in misdirected Mark studio uh, in studio uh, one, which is my basement. So I am underground and I'm next to the air conditioner. So like, which isn't running right now, but like when the central air runs, like it floods over this table. Yep. And so, then you get cold. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm not cold right now, but I mean, it's <laughs> super comfortable, right? So I'm feeling bad for you because you're kind of melting. <laughs> and I'm like drinking like, I'm drinking an iced tea thinking, I don't know, maybe I should have made like a regular tea. Oh, man. Because like, I was thinking we, there was a possibility we were going to try and slam out two shows tonight. And if we had done that, I was considering possibly having a popsicle between shows. Now, when you say popsicle, like, do you have like, like, do you have like a popsicle, like in a wrapper, or do you have like what I have upstairs that my kids have are the, um, those shitty sugary, um, plastic tube color tubes? <laughs> no, no, my son actually made me get those firecracker ones that are like the rocket, shape, the bomb pops, like firecracker things. Oh wait, 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 no, like, no, are they red, white, and blue? Yeah, yeah, they're cherry on top, and then they're lemon in the middle, and then they're blue raspberry on the bottom. Yeah, they're, oh, they're, we call them bomb. I, well, when I was a kid, we called them bomb pops. I mean, that I makes sense. It makes sense why they don't call them that anymore. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh, the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> the 80s. Well, we thought they were going to drop a bomb like on us anyway. Well, that's what we right. thought our bomb was going to look like when we dropped it on Russia. Big right. red, white, and blue. Yeah. Like, um, ew, now they're yeah, called, bomb- like firecrackers or something they're called like freedom that. pops or something right like <laughs> you know i was gonna do a whole what? thing about i was gonna do a whole thing about like the weird colors like i mean some of the colors <laughs> correspond to flavors but there's like this electric blue one i'm not sure what fucking flavor it is like blue raspberry is it but but why the, that color like why that like, i don't know i don't know blue. why raspberry I mean, is blue the grape like, that's a is weird thing. the grape is green the grape is green I'm sorry. No, the lime is green. The grape is purple. <laughs> purple. Okay, that's much. The better. cherry is red. Sense. The orange uh-huh. is orange. Uh-huh. And and then there's that blue fucking one. Like, <laughs> I know. I I'm think it's Google because it. I'm gonna Google everybody. Why, everybody why likes is, the flavor raspberry, but you can't. But the red is one is always cherry flavor. Blue. Bloop. Well, shit. Look at that. <laughs> All right, so as it turns out, um, they had some extra color <laughs> laying around. So I was right. It was basically, what the fuck do we do with this with blue this color? Because yes. we can eat it, uh-huh. but what does it taste like? So instead, they were just like, you know what? Let's just jam that up with some raspberry shit. Right. Because we already we- used red, because right, raspberry is red. Bloop. You'll notice that we use blue for raspberry all the time. But we never flavor anything blueberry flavored. Nope. Why isn't the blue blueberry? Look, I got nothing on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's saying I'm, I'm reading Wikipedia, right? It says the blue color also helps distinguish raspberry flavored foods from cherry and strawberry flavored foods. I told although, you. although you're although fucked. You're although you're fucked. You're, yeah, if it's cherry versus strawberry, like good luck. <laughs> well, then they usually color one red, one pink. But I don't know. Good luck on that one. So Wikipedia to the rescue, man. Wikipedia to the rescue. Blue raspberry, that that's um well, that's just the shit. Okay. Well, I, I mean I got nothing. It doesn't I doesn't make any sense, right? I was gonna like, try to be ridiculous and whatever, and it just turns out that um I'm right. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
so the blue color is because literally they just had blue color laying around and were like, somebody should eat this because it's blue. Yeah, but no, but that's so the, the firecracker ones are red on the top and lemon in the middle for the white and then blue raspberry at the bottom. So it's cherry, which is the worst part. And then lemon that's and true. blue raspberry, which is delicious. Yes, I, I agree. The cherry is somewhat of a chore. And then like you're trying to get like, yeah, you're trying to get like, your get way. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, wow, having that's... fallen down that rabbit hole, <laughs> we should probably do a show before yeah. before we can't release any of these outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> before I melt and have to take off all my clothes. I'm sorry. Is there a clock where that? <laughs> Didn't we already do this? Didn't I know, but already... I'm just asking for the same friend as last right. time. Did my did my clothes actually come off last time? I, I mean, I don't. I, I if we if we say it ruins the mystique of the show. <laughs> okay, so should we start the show? Uh yeah, yeah. I think we should before uh, before we find another confection that you're going to embarrass me about. Oh, you mean the popsicles? Right. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> It's another grab bag show for the summer. I'm your hardworking host, Phil. Am I not your hardworking host? You're going to be the vacationing host. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't think I'm following this this one. I don't think I'm picking up what you're putting down. What I'm laying down in. Yeah. See, you now know what that means, because we covered that like 50 episodes ago. I know. Now I know. Remember I get it. we watched that Some, really weird commercial? Somebody else mentioned it in a you different podcast, your, and I was like... You stuck your chocolate in my peanut butter. Ooh, <laughs> like, Got your peanut butter on my chocolate. Oof, it's kind of hot. <laughs> Never mind. Oof. What's going on tonight? Is it hot in here or is it just oh, me? Oh, oof. no, it's actually hot in here. It is actually hot in there. Sorry. <laughs> uh, next question. Mm-hmm. Which is very fitting for what I want to do right now. You, I'm dead. you want character death? <laughs> no, I'm dead. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. I'm not. I, don't I know. You're it. not putting. You're like a little too warm to get all my jokes tonight. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyway, good. <laughs> Bloop. I don't even know what is happening with my brain tonight, so we're my just going to keep going. My wit is very sharp. <laughs> Your wit. Your wit, it cutteth me. Bloop. We know we got P.K. Sullivan right, yeah. Yeah, totally got P.K. right. P.K. Okay, good. Nailed P.K. Sullivan, yes. <laughs> yeah, not sure about that Sullivan part, but the P.K. I think we got right. Okay. Bloop. I'm like cutting less and less of this insanity, you know. 49 minutes, not too bad. Oh, gosh. Let's, get out, yeah, let, but we let's get punch out of here. Out of here. All right. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Stop.